Hey guys, welcome to Your Beautiful Day on the Gratitude Radio Network. And I hope wherever you go, you have a beautiful day. And with me is Neil Haley. Hey, Neil. Hey, Jen, what's going on? Uh, always excited about our guest. When we talk to someone in radio, that makes me excited because that's where I started in is radio and TV to becoming now podcaster slash radio slash TV still. But uh, anyone that gets their start in radio, it's a lot of fun to have a conversation with another radio host. So introduce our guest. It is. And she's so vivacious. You guys are going <laughs> to love her so much. And I love her name just by itself. I'm like, oh, my God, she's amazing. So with us today, we have Cooper Lawrence. Cooper, welcome to the show. Hi, Neil and Jen. Thank you so much for having me. And by the way, thank you for saying you like my name, because when I was a kid, not so fun because it rhymes with poop, you know. Oh, for sure, sure. But you had to learn how to talk to get yourself out of those, change the conversation. So let's talk about Cooper. How did it start? Did you always want to be a performer or I guess a personality? Um, No, not at all. In fact, um, so my mom is a Broadway theater producer. So I was like, I'm going to be a stage actress and a playwright. And that's what I was dead set on doing, except um, the Broadway community, not interested in me. (laughs) So I was uh, hanging out with some friends in radio and they were like, you should be in radio. And I was like, "Uh, all right. So there was a job opening and I auditioned for it or sent a tape or whatever. And I got the job and I've been working in radio ever since I've never stopped. So it's like I stumbled into it. It's interesting. Someone said to me early on, they're like, you know, you're trying so hard to get into Broadway and you're knocking on all these doors and they're not opening. So that should tell you something. <laughs> and then and then radio, like I just sort of nudged the door and it flew open. So I was like, oh, I should be in radio. And my friends had come to see me in a play. And, th- and I was like, well, what'd you think? And they said, you should be in radio. So clearly, <laughs> even they were like, you on stage, not so much. You behind a microphone, nobody can see you. Perfect. So yeah, that was almost 20 years ago. And I've been in radio nonstop ever since. Wow. That is amazing. And so <laughs> in the land of no's, this is your yes. Yes. That's a really good way to put it too, because, you know, they... People have always told kids their entire lives. They still tell kids this now. You know, you can be anything, you can do anything, but that's really not true. You can't be and do anything. You can you can find somewhere that you belong and then you can carve a space for yourself there. But, you know, it took me a while. Like I was, I think, 19 or 20 when I first got in a radio. So I spent all and I mean, I started acting when I was like seven. So I had this goal as a kid that I was going to be on Broadway. I was going to be on stage. That was going to be my life, you know, with a mother who's a producer. Like, how could I lose? And, um, you know, that that didn't happen for me. And I had all the opportunities. I just didn't have the talent for it. And that's a hard pill to swallow when you get to a certain age and you're like, you know what? I don't have a talent for that. But what do I have a talent for? And then you go search for that. And then that's when opportunities start to happen for you. So in that realm, you can be and do whatever you want, as long as it's something that, you know, you have an aptitude for and you can grow. I don't think I would have grown as an actor. I've grown so much as a radio personality. Yeah. And that's the the key thing is you, you grow. And I think that a radio personality in so many ways just makes who you are and so you can utilize it in radio in so many other terms public speaking especially the whole growth of social audio and being able to finally speak where we don't have to get all get, uh, go on tv or go on a, a screen we could just speak 
And that's so important and have our audience listen to us. That's great. All right, Jen, what question do you have first for Cooper? Oh my gosh. Well, I want to go back to the land of nose because here you are, your mom is a producer on Broadway, right? And you yeah. grew up with that. So you grew I grew up, up with that, yeah. You grew up with Broadway, honey. I did, yeah. I grew up with that. I grew up with you know her producing stuff and she would drag me from show to show. Yeah, that was my life. What were some of the shows that she dragged you in on? Um, well, I think the very first thing that she produced was a show back in the day called Ragtime, and it had won some Tonys. And that was the first thing where she was like, oh, this is going well. She she started out. See, she also comes from a land of no, because she started out as a performer herself. She was a singer. She sang backup for um, Neil Diamond. So she was like, I'm set. And then she was she started to do off Broadway stuff. But, you know, it's very competitive. And I think she realized that she had, again, had an aptitude for producing. She was really good at putting people together. So, I mean, she's produced everything over the years. She's produced War Horror. She just produced um, Be More Chill on Broadway. So, I mean, she, she's had show after show over the years and she continues to work like crazy. I don't know if she was a, if she became a singer, if she'd still, you know, work into her 70s. So, you know, at 70, she can still produce, but I don't know that necessarily should be the ingenue anymore. Next, you know what I mean? Like, I think she she made the right choice for herself. That definitely sounds like it. And what did you learn most from your the your Broadway experience that you take today in radio? Um, you know, I'm. It's interesting because I've never been shy because of it. I think a lot of kids. Um, I was an only child. A lot of only children are very shy because they don't have you know, brothers and sisters to push right. you out there and to, to bring out your personality. But I think, you know, theater and Broadway did that for me as a kid. So I think that's what I brought to radio that, you know, not being shy and not being afraid to express yourself, which translates really well into radio, especially now when people are sharing so many personal stories and so many things about themselves. Like as an actor, you've got to be really open. And it's the same thing in radio. You've got to be really open. Otherwise, you're just somebody, you know, reading a liner note. And what do they need you for? Exactly. And there are a lot that are like that. that don't bring that personality into the game. And right. miss out so much. They don't go into the personal co connections. They don't listen to the answer that the guest has. So they go into a totally different thing. So it's, it's a process. And then you never know where that conversation leads in so many ways. And I think uh, when you look at this, so the experience Jen so far we're hearing is that Jen also loves the, the stage she is in the stage. She is a producer as well. You guys have a lot of connections. And it's funny, you weren't even booked for this till the last minute. And I, I know say, you're a huge replacement. I mean, we're like, oh, all right, perfect. <laughs> I said, I said, perfect. I said, perfect. Yes, perfect situation because we both are radio, both performers. I'm a former professional wrestler. So I was on a different stage in the wrestling ring as you were uh, uh, trying to uh, hit it. In the, but I found out that radio and performing is my love. And I had to go back into teaching to figure that out. Go figure, right, Jen? Well, it's kind of funny. you're still teaching, Neil. I know you're I'm still, still using your that's that's where the where the brand has come is where oh, I've done all these things in 11 years. But I finally found it thanks to Clubhouse that I'm a great teacher that that I can Neil, let, let me let me let me ask you the same question you asked me. So what was it about wrestling that prepared you for where you are now? See, uh, see a host asking that. <laughs> I think that wrestling, I learned a lot, but I wasn't the best in mic work. Uh, I was not because they were 
casting me in the wrong character. I'm a legitimate 610. So I was a big, they were, you know, trying to be this big, dumb goof. And that's just not who I was. And then I ended up producing my own um, wrestling types of stuff. And then some people gave me different gimmicks. And then finally I became me, but I had to walk away for so long and teach till I had the opportunity in radio again, because I was trying to create an education podcast, which entertainment brought me back the bug again. But now I finally found my mission 11 years later in business that and radio and business. Wow. You know what? I shouldn't have gotten rid of the education part of the gimmick. I shouldn't have gotten <laughs> rid of the part of teaching people and empowering people in everyday life and really bring that personality out that I really don't put out all the time as a talk show host. I'm a great, I ask great questions. Hmm. I listen great, but I really don't put that entertainment value that I can when you ask me specific questions about how to fix something or to do something and give them a step-by-step reasoning. That is just not been, I always don't put myself in the spotlight when I interview people. I really try to Hmm. make them, because as a professional wrestler, our job is to make the person we wrestle look like a million dollars. And so that's how I take the way I interview people. I tell a story from beginning, middle, end. I, I love that. With, I, I sat down with Diamond Dallas Page and he, he was so funny. He said, I only got 29 minutes and I knew exactly when to finish it up. He says, I know you're a worker because you knew exactly <laughs> when to take it home. Because right. in wrestling, we tell a story, beginning, middle, then the end of it. And hmm. at the end, we say it's time to close out the match. And so basically you have to get the story, what I call this part of the interview, because I understand the art of the interview. So that's the other things I want to teach other people to mm-hmm. understand after doing 7,000 plus interviews in over 11 years, that the process is first getting to know them, breaking the ice, learning a few things, and then really breaking down where we want to take this. So right. we finally have taken it to the final part. And Jen and I know we've interviewed people for 15 minutes. We're like, we got to go home. How did you you guys find each other? Because you guys, because Jen, so your background's in producing. How how did you and Neil, I'm sure your your listeners have probably heard this, but I haven't. So so I'd love to know how you guys met. I came on her show. (laughs) Jen, you're muted. You're muted. So uh, she, sorry, she's speechless. Sorry, sorry. Oh, my God. She's, she's speechless. Go ahead. Oh, I'm speechless. That's, <laughs> that's once. My one candle wish was to have my show back, my Your Beautiful Day. And um, I got my show back. And then I wanted a publicist, and I got a publicist. I mean, it, it all happened on the same day. Neil came on my show as a guest, hmm. and I said, I want you to be my publicist. And we started working, and he created my whole network. Wow. And I'm not done yet because we're still, we're still adding on to it. And I want it to be a creative heaven so everyone can be in their creative vortex and go and monetize and make money and have a voice and use all of our gifts in life. Hmm. So I'm the mother of gratitude. And that's, you know, that's every mother, whether you have fur babies or right. the ones, we're all mothers of gratitude. I'm a fur baby mom. I, so I, 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 understand. I, I love Cooper. <laughs> Going into this, it's like we're on a couch at the uh, Tonight Show or something. That's okay. <laughs> okay. I, just, 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 yeah, I was throwing it last minute. Okay, so Cooper, I'm going to take you. Tell us about your current radio show because we're at like already that, but we could probably talk for hours. And no, I want to know the MTV what? and VH1, and I want to wrestle with all of that too. So you and I are okay. Yeah, yeah so, so you have to. There might no, be a part, part two. So let's talk about the radio show first. But then I also was blown away. But I went to your website and said, "Oh, you're doing some other bigger things too." So how Around, did the radio yeah. show start? 
So um, Anthony and I uh, started doing this radio show when I'd gotten my own radio show. I was doing I'd been on I've been at Z100 for years. I'd been at other stations for years and uh, they were looking for just a female host that was kind of in my space. So they needed like a co-host and producer and I couldn't find anybody. I was auditioning a bunch of guys and I found some guy and we flew down to Charlotte, North Carolina, because um, the link in Charlotte was going to be one of our big stations. So I'm down there in Charlotte and they just threw a guy in to run the board. And while I was sitting there now, keep in mind, this was like almost 20 years ago. So I was way hotter and I was holding a banana and, and I didn't ha- and I had yogurt, a banana and yogurt, and I didn't have any silverware. So I was dipping the banana into the yogurt and I wasn't eating it seductively. I swear I wasn't. But the guy across the way said, aren't you a little old to try to be? I was like 30. Aren't you a little old to try to be seducing a room full of men with a banana? And I was like, aren't you a little old wearing Hollister? Aren't you like 30? And it was just like kismet. It was like we just the very first things we said to each other were we ragged on each other for what we were doing. And we just had an instant connection. And then it turned into what do you do or where that you're like, I'm too old for this. The phones blew up. And it was great chemistry. And we've been working together. I fired the guy who came down there with me. And uh, Anthony and I have been working together ever since. And we ended up doing mornings at BLI and we took the station to number one and we won a bunch of Gracie awards. And then, you know, it's really hard working for other people. You guys have probably experienced this. Everybody else makes decisions about the creative and what you're doing and not doing and who your sponsors are going to be. Well, after all these years, we have all that stuff down. So we decided to just, we left BLI and we started our own show and it's been going ever since we have a syndicated deal. Um, So we're syndicated through key networks And then we also have a podcast that's the number 43 podcast in the country. So we're doing um, we're doing what we want to do when we want to do it, where we're our creative is all ours. Content is all ours. And uh, yeah, it's going well. And and the money's all ours. So we don't have to share anything with anybody. So I absolutely (laughs) love that the creating together is everything. And either you have it or you don't. Yeah, that's true. You know, one person's struggling and and the other one isn't. And have the balance of that is rare. And to have the chemistry of that is outstanding. Yeah, I got very lucky finding Anthony. And we've been working together. There's nobody else I'd rather work with. I mean, we have great chemistry. Um, He knows me really well. And and it just the show. I mean, the show is really good. And I I joke and say I've been riding his coattails for 11 years. So because so, he's really talented. So how's a radio show host being successful as a podcaster? Um, surprisingly well. You know, I remember when podcasting first got started, I was, I think you guys are also on blog talk radio. I started on blog talk radio um, as a side gig and my very first podcast won a Gracie award. And I, when I was there with, with all the podcasters, it was all radio people. So at the time, I think now, like everyone has a podcast, but the yeah. real podcasters, the, the ones that are that are truly successful, started out in entertainment. They started out in radio like like you did. Yeah, I'm in trust radio and all that. So yeah, absolutely. Right. Exactly. So um, I think the best podcasters come from radio background. And I we saw were- how it equates to a podcast. Like, tell us the show. How does it work in a way is that you have guests on every yeah, we've got not every day. We have guests when it's when it makes sense. Like we have um, people that are in pop culture. Like if somebody's video goes viral, like I don't know if you saw a couple of weeks ago, um, there was that influencer and she had said that uh, she will not go on a coffee date or a walk. She has to be taken out for dinner and people were calling her high maintenance and it went viral and she has like millions of followers now. 
So we had her on the other night to kind of defend herself. Um, but then we also have like, you know, I really love the show Zoe's amazing playlist, extraordinary playlist. So we had like the cast were on and, you know, just like whatever's going on in pop culture. It's a it's a pop culture slash entertainment show. So, you know, if somebody makes sense to have on, we have them on. Otherwise, we we, we just talk about what's going on. Audio you know, or with, video both? Uh, well, audio and video, because we're also live on Twitch. So we do the video live on Twitch and then we repurpose that for the podcast every day. Every day, Monday through Friday. So that's probably another way you rank high in podcasts is constantly having new releases of your podcast. Every day. Yep. Mm -hmm. Another test to look at is specifically enough that way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's what we've been doing. So and we do um, we kind of structure it like a morning show because we've always done morning shows, either morning show at night or we've done morning shows. So it's like a lot of different topics, a lot of different segments. And, uh, you know, as a listener, you can listen to one section and then go on with your life or you can listen to, you know, the whole show if you want gotcha i yeah. love it so is it how many hours a day is it uh we only we do one hour a day and then but we do lots of different topics and that again like a morning show lots right. of different topics and then um the syndicators take the pieces that they want and they put music around it um if it's a music station and you know they, they it, get, it gets repurposed for a million things so for a million things no i used to yeah. have day through friday from nine to eleven i was on the air so, right. So, you know, so we had to come up with all of our own content, the whole that's when I became the producer, the director of everything and pitching it and all of a sudden, blah, and I was just there to pitch a movie. So it just kind of, yeah, I walked out with my own show and and everything prime time. And what kind of show is it? What, what were you doing? Like, what was the to- what were your topics? What, what were you, what were you doing? Topics were everything pop culture, like you're talking about stuff that was happening around in Tampa Bay. We had Big Cat Rescue on before it went on Netflix and she was talking about, yeah, she was talking about the suitcases full of cubs and we had no idea what that was or the dog that was found in the bay just swimming because he accidentally went overboard. Um, And it was just, you know, it was fun stuff every day that we were, we were filling in and charities and goodwill and trying to make it as happy as can be with all of the negativity in the world. I wanted something that was funny and fun and kind of prankish. Um, because I just wanted to share the gratitude to have people exuding gratitude in their own lives, no matter what their life looked like. Great philosophy. I love that. Yeah. So tell me about VH1 and MTV. So um, VH1, I've been working with on and off for years. I did a show called Confessions of a Teen Idol. Um, and then I, and then since then I've been doing like, I'm a talking head on all their like mama drama or, you know, whatever's going on in, um, Kim Kardashian's world, you know? <laughs> so, you know, how they have these specials where they always have like somebody sitting there commenting. Um, uh, so I'm always one of those people. And then, um, I did one, I did a special for MTV about people who want to be a Kardashian and what that does to their relationships and their lives. And, um, there was one guy in particular that was like, getting all this plastic surgery and his husband was like, uh, hi, I wanted to be with you and not Kim Kardashian. So, um, yeah, that was a really fun show. It was the true life. Uh, that's a whole series they've been doing for a long time. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, and then right now I'm on the E true Hollywood story. They brought that back. So I've done a bunch of those. So I hosting that. Yeah. So it's a lot of talking head stuff right now. I'm not doing uh, confessions of a teen idol was awesome. Um, but I was doing my own syndicated show at the same time and I couldn't wait to get off the set and get, to the radio studio because I'm a radio girl. I'm not really a TV girl, you know. Well, you did entertainment tonight and you looked gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, but those are one offs. You know what I mean? You show up, you're a contributor. You're you so s- 
tan. Oh my God. Did you go to the Bahamas? You look beautiful. Look how tan. <laughs> you look so tan. I'm jealous. I'm jealous over here. <laughs> I think we shot it during the summer. That's all. But yeah, no, I mean, I like the ones that are one-offs. I mean, I, I've worked on shows. I used to work on the Tyra Bank show and Tyra was my favorite boss ever. Um, but it was easy because I would just go and shoot like, you know, one or two days a week. I really admire these people that have shows that they shoot every single day. It is really tedious. You know, I find radio fun. Like I can't wait every single day. I can't wait till my show starts right. with with television. For me, it was just it felt very tedious. And I, I really admire people that just love it because <laughs> that, that wasn't me. And you never know. You never know in TV, especially the expectations, even doing video, especially, you know, putting in TV and where I'm working on different things. My television network I'm launching is already on Roku and uh, Amazon, I mean, Amazon, uh, Amazon Fire Stick. And we're just kind of just developing that type of stuff. And it's just the mm -hmm. content with OTT networks, all these different things, social audio, it never stops. But I was getting a little burnout of social audio because I've been spending so much time. Have you been jumping on Clubhouse? Yeah. Every wow. once in a while. Yeah. Um, have you uh, my favorite one is I love on Tuesdays. Lindsay Lohan does her clubhouse show. And um, I love that she's become an expert in everything. It's my favorite one because no matter they'll have an expert on like telling her something, but she always knows better. So really? it's I my, know that. I'm always, I, oh, yeah. I don't follow, yeah. I, I do a lot. I do rooms for club pod, which is the largest podcasting group on clubhouse. And uh, it's pretty interesting. You'll have to definitely check it out out there um, and I what do, kind of stuff do you talk about on club pod club pod we're just basically going to focus on teaching people how to be successful podcasters from how to start scale and monetize your podcast to just specifically what setup what uh how to get it out there where to you know how to book guests you know any types of questions people i write for podcast magazine as well mm. oh wow uh, i didn't so, know there was a podcast magazine that's yeah, awesome podcast <laughs> yes yeah, steve Olsher is the uh is the owner of it. And he basically, there's really interesting things he's doing, but we have different celebrities on his covers, different things like that. So again, I wouldn't have known about your podcast. So isn't, isn't that amazing how, you know, you're out there everywhere and yet right. people still don't know. Everyone doesn't know you. So even though they know you from specific things, right. Like continuing the promotion of the radio show and the podcast, what, what's more important, the radio show or the podcast now, where are the way things are going? What do you think? I mean, for us, it's it's the same thing. It's just it's how people consume um, information. You know, some people want to watch the show live on Twitch and some people, you know, they'd rather be in their cars or however they listen to their radios now, since people are not really in their cars as much. Um, and then there's people that would prefer to listen to the show. I mean, you know, even when I was at PLJ, like everything we did at, at PLJ Z100. BLI, all the stations I've been at, everything we would do during the morning of the day would then become a podcast because, you know, if you miss the show and you still want to listen to it, it's an opportunity for the station to monetize it. But it's also an opportunity for us to, you know, get our, our name out there. But no, we, we get a lot of press on our podcast. We had this whole thing back and forth with Kyle and Jackie O in Australia. Um, and that was in the we were we got press in the Daily Mail and page six. And um, I think that really put us on the map, because when you look at our podcast on our entertainment, we're in the top 10 everywhere right now. So, um, yeah, it just it always takes that one thing that, you know, people it draws attention and then suddenly people are like, oh, that's pretty good. I'm going to keep listening. And then it's all word of mouth. Exactly. Yeah. So, Jen, ask that gratitude moments. We're getting close to running out of time. Well, we are, but I have one thing, one thing that Cooper is really good about, and I want to share this with our listeners and, and everyone that's watching. 
She is just phenomenal because she loves giving back. And I love that part of gratitude. So Cooper, could you tell us um, your charities that you have and your therapy dog work and all the stuff that you're into? Um, I do a lot of charity work because like you, it's, you know, I've been so fortunate in my life. And so I'm so grateful. And the least I can do is give back to, I try and give back um, with volunteering more than anything else, because, you know, anyone can, I feel like anybody can write a check, which is great because a lot of charities do need your money. Um, but I like to actually be there and participate. So I have a therapy animal and we visit, we do um, a reading program at the New York public library. We visit with kids at uh, the NYU uh, Langone hospitals, uh, the kids that are inpatient that have to stay there. What we're finding is there's a lot of kids that are actually not from New York, but they have such good hospitals here that they're flown here from elsewhere. And while I do have a parent that comes with them, they can't bring their dog. They can't bring their cat. And, you know, a lot of kids become very depressed. So I show up with the, this big, giant, white, fluffy dog named Marconi and uh, they get, you know, they're happy for the first time They're They feel, you know, that animal love is really special. So I'm just holding the leash. It's the dog who's doing all the work. Um, so, yeah, I'm really into the therapy animal work. And we do we do therapy animal work in hospice, like anybody who wants us. We're part of pet partners. So I'll get an email and they'll be like, they need you. And, you know, we just throw on our vests and run over. So, yeah, it's I like being there in person and seeing people benefit from a visit with, you know, a big, a big fluffy, fluffy animal. <laughs> that is so sweet. And that's one of those things that are, it's universal because of the unconditional love that goes with it. Right. Yeah. And then and then seeing a lot of, you know, kids, a lot, we work a lot with the kids um, who are going through physical therapy as well. And they're afraid of these big contraptions they have to get on. So we've trained the dog to get on the treadmill with them or to help them upstairs. So um, he does participate in their physical therapy after they've had all of their surgeries. So it's not just the visit. He also participates in helping them. Um, with their physical therapist, go through the therapy, which, you know, if you're, you're if you're a kid, it's scary. There's a lot of equipment, a lot of, you know, medical professionals. And then this dog is there. So you're more likely to do what it is, what it is that your um, physical therapist wants you to do if the dog will do it with you. So that's yeah, kind of nice. Yeah. And some of the physical therapy equipment, it's kind of scary. They'll have half of a car. So to teach you to get right car, walk upstairs that go nowhere, walk back down. Yep. So as a kid, you're not going to understand this is like the land of broken toys. You know? right, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They have bus stops. I mean, some of them, are like, they really like go all out. It looks like a movie set. Um, but you're right. I mean, and the little littler the kid is. And then, you know, there's kids, like I said, from other countries that English is not their first language. So it's all very intimidating. Um, so I think it makes them feel better to have a dog there and they've gotten to know the dog because we visit them, you know, every, every week we're there same day, same time. Uh, so we, we go through the therapy with them and we help them. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 again, it's nice to be a volunteer rather than writing a check, at least, at least for me, everyone has their own way that they give back. For me, I like physically being there and being able to help a person if I can. Right. You're really in the trenches like I am when it comes to yeah. giving back. I want to be there. I want to see the smiles on the faces. I want it to be my time and to have that impact, especially with animals. I just think that that's beautiful. And that's a beautiful day. And yes. that's a way to have a beautiful day. <laughs> I have a question. I ask all of our guests one question. And, and, and to me, it's really important because I want to know exactly when did you pinpoint 
this gratitude moment. It's one moment in your life that changed everything and brought you to where you are right now. Um, for me, it's I am always grateful to my listeners because I'm aware that without them, I wouldn't have a career. I wouldn't be who I was. And I remember the first time when I first had my own radio show. And, you know, you know how it is. You're in a room by yourself talking to a microphone. You think people are listening, but you don't really know. Somebody had sent an email and said that they were going through chemotherapy and it was a really intense time and our show was super funny and they loved to sit there while they were in chemotherapy listening to us and laughing because, like I said, it's like a morning show. We had a room full of people and we just had a great time every single night. Um, and I was like, wow. I, so it's not just people in their cars being like these idiots. There's actually somebody out there who needed to hear us during a, t a difficult time in their lives. And we were there for them, which I never even considered. Um, and that was the moment that I was like, wow, I am really grateful to our listeners because they they take us with them during the important times. They're not we're not just background noise. We matter. Um, and it's because of them. So at that moment, I was just I'm always so grateful. I know it's all about the listener. That's beautiful. Yeah, because we share our lives with our listeners. Right. Neil. All right. So, Jen, we're ready to close out. It's so great to talk to Cooper today. And uh, Cooper, I just tell you, we could talk for hours, especially about, you know, trading war stories of radio and different things and all these amazing things happening. It's awesome. Congrats again for the success of the podcast and radio show. Thank you. And of course, I have so many more questions for the two of you. So we need to do another hour together. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I just I always have always book solid. That's a good thing, I guess. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> all right, Jen, go ahead and close us out. Well, we'll have to come on your show for certain. That Absolutely. So much fun. So much fun. Thank you so much for being with us today. How can people find uh, find your information, where you are, what you're doing next? If they go to cooperandanthony.com, they can find uh, if there's a station near them that plays our show or how to find us on Twitch or the podcast. It's all there on cooperandanthony.com. Awesome. Thank you exactly. so much. We have been listening to the vivacious Cooper Lawrence, who is an amazing woman. Podcaster, Thank you. Mm. Announcer, TV host. What do you want to do? Everything. Everything. <laughs> because she can. And I am so thankful that you were on our show today. And Neil, thank you for being with us. It's You're always welcome. amazing. I always love having you with me. And remember, wherever you go, bring gratitude with you. And regardless of what your life looks like, remember, you're blessed, you're loved, and you're sacred. I love you. Have a beautiful day. Celebrity Slots. Free to play mobile social slot games in the likeness of your favorite celebrities. Making money. Spin to win celebrity experiences through sweepstakes. Free to download, free to play. Yeah, baby. What are you waiting for? Win meet and greets, celebrity merchandise, gift cards, and more. Download Celebrity Slots today! In Facebook, uh, Larry Forletta from Forletta Investigates. How are you, Larry? And, uh, you know, I 
want to learn more. We've learned a lot about you in the last couple episodes about podcasts, about different things. But I thought we have a great topic for us today to talk about because I think this is an important one because we we have misconceptions. We just don't really understand why hire someone like this. And I'll tell you about the topic, but I want to say hi to you first. How are you? Hey, Neil, it's uh, good to be with you as always. And uh, thanks for having me on your show. And shout out to the Facebook people that are trying to guess who I interviewed uh, um, a couple of days ago. And they fi- I finally had to give it up. And that was Abby Lee Miller of Dance Moms. But, you know, we have another famous Pittsburgher and Larry Folletta. So let's kind of, you know, jump right into specifically enough. Why should we hire a private investigator? Because we know we talked about this at times. We think of private investigators as people that are kind of are shady you know, the, 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 the preconceived notions that they're not, they kind of didn't want to be in law enforcement, but you don't fit that bill at all. You're the guy that you know, did your time. You did amazing work as a DEA, as a, as a law enforcement agent. And then you took on your career in private investigation, but really people just look at what they see in the movies. Yes, and unfortunately, there's uh, always a big misconception uh, about private investigators, um, you know, as seen on TV. Um, but uh, there is private investigators. Uh, I would say the majority of us are professionals that want to do uh, the right thing, uh, give the client the satisfaction and the help that they truly need in their case, whatever it is, whether it's a criminal matter, civil matter, personal matters. Uh, the one thing that people don't know is that there's probably over 50,000 private investigators here in the United States. Um, and private investigators are civilians. They're not law enforcement, so they have no authority, but they're licensed. And each state has different licensing requirements. And so, uh, and the other thing that a lot of professional investigators uh, do is they join associations and they become members of the associations because you know, there's continuing education uh, involved in those associations. For example, I belong to one called PALI. It's the Pennsylvania Association of Licensed Investigators, another one in Ohio, and then another one that's, that's an international organization, which actually started here in Pennsylvania, is called IntelliNet. So, and, and there's probably three or 400 uh, private investigators throughout the United States and internationally. So it's, it's a great network with a lot of professionals and that think that helps, you know, you do your job much better. That's great that they're, you're certified that you have a, your license. That's an, an important thing that people don't understand that you just, I can't just become a private investigator. I can investigate uh, things. I'm an investigating mm-hmm. journalist. Why can't I be a private investigator, Larry? Why can't I just do your job? Tell me why. Well, first of all, in Pennsylvania, for example, you have to have, you know, a prerequisite number of investigative hours to become licensed. So usually uh, if you're a seasoned law enforcement and you've conducted investigations somewhere in the nature of a couple thousand hours, you know, that qualifies you uh, as a start to become a private investigator uh, and you meet all the other expectations. You have to be licensed, bonded. Um, and actually, you are appointed through the court in that particular location. So if it's in Allegheny County or Lawrence County or wherever, 
Um, the court actually has to sign off. You have to have, you know, uh, basically uh, people, you know, behind you and things of that nature so that uh, they're getting the right person. But yeah, you are licensed uh, in that particular county, usually approved because you have to petition the court. You usually um, you hire a lawyer, which I did. They petition the court. And then, you know, you have references that you have to use. And, uh, and then once they approve it, then you begin uh, to move on. And plus, you know, if you have a company, your company has to be registered as a state in the state that you're licensed as. So like I have an LLC, so we're licensed and registered in the state of Pennsylvania. Wow. Okay. So why hire, you talked about the misconceptions, but then let's talk about why hire a private investigator. Well, each uh, situation is different, but I'll try to narrow it down to some reasons why you should. And we'll talk specifically about what type of cases that I'm referring to. So let's start with the criminal defense side uh, that a lot of criminal defense lawyers will hire private investigators. I mean, generally speaking, uh, you know, they look at the background of the of the private investigator, see what their qualifications are. Usually it's a word of mouth, uh, you know, referrals. And generally they want you to be, be able to either enhance or help mitigate their case. So if it's a criminal defense case, you know, you're going to go out and interview witnesses and uh, bring that information back to the lawyer. And sometimes that helps them make a decision as to whether they're going to go to trial or they're going to take a plea. And it all depends on the case and, and the circumstances. So that's one part of it. And plus the fact on the legal side, criminal defense side, lawyers can't go out and be their own witnesses. So that's why they hire private investigators. So that process begins right when a court case opens up? Yes. And a lot of times because the attorneys know that there's going to be, you know, they, they may have a number of witnesses that they may want interviewed. Um, you know, just like anything else, sometimes they procrastinate and then they wait to make a decision or they got to, you know, discuss it with their client, uh, whether to bring us in or not. Um, so sometimes, you know, we're, we're playing catch up uh, to, you know, learning more and gathering more information about the facts of the case. Interesting. I, I would not have thought that process. So let's just say that um, you committed a mur uh, like not a murder, but some sort of crime that mm -hmm. is going to go to court and then, then it could be in deep trouble. It could be something. And there are people, witnesses to, I guess, to testify against that person. You're going to go ahead and, and investigate those witnesses to see if they would be worthwhile for the attorney to utilize and cross-examine or not cross -examine, ask questions because if they are not a good, reliable witness, then you take them off. You don't, you take them off the list of witnesses. Sure. Well, uh, we'll, we'll call, I have been involved in homicide cases, but let's talk about a sexual assault type case um, where let's say it's a college atmosphere, which I've had those cases and, you know, there was a bunch of students around and one particular individual makes an allegations against another, uh, you know, what were they doing? They were drinking or doing whatever. And the next thing you know, you're, you're out uh, gathering the facts from the other uh, individuals that were at that particular party. 
you know, what was the person like, were they intoxicated, et cetera, et cetera, because now it comes down, it's a credibility issue in a lot of these, as they call them, he, she said type cases, Right, right. Exactly. It, it becomes a credibility issue. So you want to make sure that the witnesses that you either interview or you develop during the course of the investigation are credible. So you have to have a lot of training and experience to be able to do that. And that came from my, you know, 30 years in law enforcement and interviewing thousands of people to just, you know, to try to see whether they are a credible witness uh, that's going to have to testify in, in a court case. And so it's a process of elimination. And then usually I'll meet with the lawyer and I'll say, okay, I interviewed A, B, C, and D. Here's what I think, or sometimes we'll bring them into the lawyer's office and we'll both uh, proceed to interview them. And then we discuss it. You know, what do you think? Do you think this person's, you know, credible and et cetera. And, uh, you know, so we check out the witnesses as thorough as we can, and then we sort through everything else. But that's kind of how that process works, especially in those types of cases. So before the first time where they have they interview them, the lawyers don't want to waste their time if they know to even interview them to prep them. They don't even want to waste their time if they're not a credible witness. So that's why they have you come in and dig deep to find out. Exactly. And that's that's the, one of the main reasons behind it. And then the other thing is the reason why we interview them, because say, for example, uh, I was interviewing you and you told me something different at the time of the interview. So I would be called in as a rebuttal witness against you and to what you actually said to me during the course of an interview. That's why the lawyers want private investigators to go out, do those interviews, because in reality, that private investigator is that lawyer's witness. Uh, should it become necessary in that in that case? So tell me about um, other reasons to hire a private investigator. That's a great reason, especially if you're a law, you're a lawyer and you want right. to get the to win the case. Yeah. Well, I it, and and that's always the case. But you, you, when you look at a lot of these cases, whether a criminal, civil, you have to try to jump ahead of the the ball game, so to speak, to try to minimize. Uh, court exposure, because back to the criminal side, our criminal justice system would be clogged if we didn't do plea agreements and things of that nature. It would just shut it down. So a lot of times what lawyers are looking for is to mitigate the information that their client gave to them and plus the facts that we're able to come up with. It's the same way in a civil case, uh, you know, whether it's a personal injury case or anything like that, we do the same thing. Um, so we try to gather all the facts and I, it's important what I always try to stress to the lawyers, whether it's on the criminal side or the civil side is to get in touch with us ASAP. Don't wait, you know, two weeks or three weeks down the road and say, Oh, I think I need a private investigator. Okay. Because we want to be there from the beginning of the case with a complete understanding of it. And, and the reason why I say that is because that's what I did for a living. You know, as a DEA agent, when we initiated investigations, myself and the prosecutor worked together from the time that we opened the investigation to the time that we went to federal grand juries to the time whether we went to trials or to the time there were plea agreements. So it's like a team concept that everybody knows what each other is doing and what our set of responsibilities are. 
So the same thing, again, that, that to me is the way I've applied all my cases using that theory and, and how I learned that uh, over time of trying to get that information, jump on it and move on it as soon as you can. Because the problem with witnesses is memory. And sometimes their memories will fade. You know, the longer you go waiting and waiting and waiting about a situation, now you've got to try to rehash uh, the information that they already have. All right, great. The, the other things we talked about before, background checks, we talked about, we mm -hmm. talked about um, that we've already had on the show. We talked about um, looking at specific employment stuff. And we also talked about spousal abuse or, I mean, not spousal abuse, sp sp uh, divorce proceedings, mm -hmm. um, investigating people that are trying to get out of paying alimony. Right. So what other things? Why well, hire President Well, the other thing that we talked about was child custody. Yeah. Uh, those cases are always important because you want to get on top of that right away because there, there may be a situation where one parent is doing something uh, illegally or bad behavior because a lot of times, again, they wait and call us and then sometimes those things start changing rapidly. So it's best if you're going to hire a private investigator, don't wait to do it, you know, pick up the phone and call somebody. Uh, and so what we do is when we get these calls from people, we immediately respond. We'll call them back. If we, you know, if we're not answering the phone for whatever reason, and we'll discuss their case uh, right off the bat and see if it's a fit and see if we can actually help them. Uh, that's kind of the way we look at it. Any other things we would think about when hiring a private investigator that we might have missed in the last couple episodes we've covered? Well, you want to make sure, again, as a, a lay person or somebody looking to hire a private investigator, you know, look at their qualifications. Always make sure that they're licensed and insured, bonded, et cetera. Uh, because because that's important uh, for you to make decisions because, you know, people call me and say, well, you know, I've never worked with a private investigator. I really don't know, you know, how this works. And the other thing that they don't understand is that you got to pay the private investigator. Um, I tell people, you know, be prepared to have a budget for your case. You know, don't think that you're just going to pick up the phone and it's going to be done for free because that's not reality. Um, private investigators have a business to run and, uh, you know, they got, they have issues just like everybody else. So I always tell people, you know, make sure you have a budget in place that you think that you might need, uh, because, you know, prices for, uh, private investigators, they can run from 75 an hour to 250 an hour. It just depends on the firm, the case, you know, every, everything. So I always, you know, try to tell them so that they have a, clear understanding. Now, so what we do is we have a uh, agreements that we sign and have the client sign to make sure they completely understand the services that they're getting. And we explain it to them with this agreement. And then we have agreements, you know, also with our lawyer clients as well. Okay. All right. So very, very interesting stuff. And I think that you're not, you just also look at different things involving uh, uh protecting people, you provide those types of services as well, where if you're looking at uh, issues where, you know, uh, tips involving security, look at active shooter, 
types of things, uh, certain crises that occur in certain buildings. Things well, like that. One, yeah, one of the things that we do is that, uh, for example, employee terminations, uh, we'll work with that company for them to terminate an employee, whether we do surveillances on them, uh, go with them when they talk to the employee. Uh, we've, we've done a few of those. Uh, and uh, a lot of times on employee terminations, we coordinate that with law enforcement in that area uh, to make sure that they understand there's an employee being terminated. You know, we don't know if there's any potential for violence unless we've got information uh, that that person may be violent or there's red flags behind it. You know, that's always the problem with a lot of these uh, shootings that occur at, at uh, employee termination. You know, just recently down in Florida, Palm Beach County, I believe it was, you know, a longtime employee who was happened to be 80 years old told them, you know, they were, he was told that he had to leave. It's time to go. And uh, I don't know all the facts of the case, but at the end of the day, he came back and killed uh, one of the employers. Yeah. So, I mean, he shot him. And again, those kind of situations, you know, and that's something that I, when I talk to business people and companies, you know, Hey, look, if, if you have those kind of issues, you should call us and we can work with you and we can work with the law enforcement authorities in that area because a lot of times law enforcement is reacting to an active shooter, you know, and sometimes you, you, you have to look at wanting to prevent that from happening. Now you can't always predict people's behavior, but you can sure give it a try and you can certainly, you know, deal with professionals that can alert, you know, the proper authorities, uh, you know, should that take place and be able to handle the situation. All right. Best place we can find info on you, Larry, so people can go and hire you today. Where can they go? Uh, sure. Well, they can go to my website as usual. It's www.fcisllc.com. And uh, also we have our podcast, which is called Forletta Investigates. So it's uh, the podcast is on every Tuesday at 9 a.m. And we talk to a variety of uh, law enforcement professionals and it's uh, it's a very interesting podcast. All right, Larry, again, great talking with you. We appreciate you coming on the Neil Haley Show and look forward to next week. Thanks, Neil. All right, guys, again, that was the Neil Haley Show live here on Facebook and YouTube. Take care. Please listen to the Forletta Podcast. Larry Forletta, a retired DEA agent turned private investigator, will bring you true life stories on the war on drugs with some of the most infamous international drug traffickers of all time, to name a few, Pablo Escobar, Manuel Noriega, Joaquin Guzman, aka El Chapo, and other related real life crime stories such as Waco. For information, please visit his website at www.fcisllc.com. We're back to the Neil Haley Show here in the Author's Corner segment. I'm excited to welcome to the program author and of Bad Days in History, Michael Farquhar, Michael, thanks for calling. How are you, man? And, uh, you know, we don't like hearing bad days in history, man, after what we've gone through with the pandemic. Come on now. 
Well, you know, Neil, and thanks for having me on, by the way. Uh, you, you got a point. You know, that <laughs> pandemic kind of hit when I was finishing this thing up, and it did get delayed. So it's emerging. As we emerge out, uh, we'll, we'll just let some of the uh, history's bad days bring us away from our own. So I'm trying to be funny. That's a good good way to break the ice, your final interview of a tour i i know it been there done that yes yeah, so, so i know these things i always put myself at the okay, end okay. i love working with the publicist put me at the end of the tour then uh, hopefully i'll be available I'm, I'm a busy guy just like you so <laughs> it says this is the funny part so michael so tell me specifically enough why'd you write this book what is what kind of made you want to write it well you know it really basically comes from a love of history uh, it, it comes from that 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 interest in those episodes of history you never learned in history class. You know, so many of us were taught the pedantic, remember the date, uh, the drilled in these events, but not really, it doesn't really come alive or didn't for a lot. Right. So these are the kind of stories that are just great tidbits from history. They're not, you know, they're not looking for the darkest uh, atrocities of mankind. It's more like the foibles. I mean, we're all human. Uh, subject to some of the best inclinations and the worst. And this is about uh, historical figures who are either creating bad days or facing them um, in kind of a more of a light way. And it, you know, it covers the spectrum of all different kinds of, uh, of history, military, royal, um, uh, Hollywood history, every, you know, every kind of history. And, you know, what makes it interesting, I think, is that, it's chronological day by day. So, you know, you could be on uh, January 1st and you, the year would be 1390 for the event. And then January 2nd could be 1957. It, it, uh, it takes you all over. So as if you're bored by one topic, um, you just skip to the next chapter, which is the next day. Um, <clears throat> so it's people who like to read bite sized history, uh, hear a good story read a good story right um don't have a huge attention span like me who does not and um just just enjoy it or or know people who love um this kind of history yeah that, excuse my voice no, that's I, okay some wacko allergies in, in dc right no, now no 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 so, so that, 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 that's a car so michael that's one of your bad days in history when you lose your voice so you know we understand yeah, well, I think people would be happy to hear that happen. <laughs> now, so you look at things that kind of were certain things that occurred in history. We don't know about their tidbits, but guess what? They're just really uh, interesting kind of uh, water cooler commentary. So tell me specifically a few of them without giving away the book. Well, you know, as I mentioned, Neil, it, it, it jumps all over time and it jumps all over the arenas of history. So, I mean, on one day you've got the Beatles getting attacked at the British Embassy. And, you know, another day you've got uh, uh, King George V getting euthanized so that his death would make the morning papers rather than the less esteemed evening papers. Uh, you got President Andrew Jackson's parrot getting uh, foul-mouthed at his funeral and uh, escorted out. I mean, it's... And excuse me again. The uh, <laughs> Enron Code of Ethics published uh, in uh, 2000. Um, it's it's uh, or the when you know in in 1672 when the Dutch citizens ate their prime minister. 
the <clears throat> kind of little snapshots, vignettes, water cooler, you just, as, as you aptly describe it, they're not <clears throat> presenting the full story of what happened in those, you know, in that in that moment of time. But um, it's a snapshot of a of, of an episode, of a period, of a of a day, of a of a year. It gives an, a, <clears throat> a supplement to the bigger picture of history. I like to describe it a little bit as if, you know, we revere our founding fathers. We idolize them. We have them enshrined in marble. And we treat them as omniscient demigods. Well, these guys were just guys, and they couldn't stand each other most of the time. They were squabbling all the time. Um, But yet, in the middle of not liking each other in this hot-ass Philadelphia with B.O., they, they hammer out a new nation. So the stories of them not getting along at all are great and they're interesting, but they also serve maybe a little higher purpose is to humanize these guys and really, really captures ultimately what they accomplished. Because when you're a demigod, nobody's surprised that a demigod can forge a new nation. But when you're just a petty, jealous, uh, or angry guy um, who get, who's the other guy gets on his nerves terribly – and you still manage to do that? Well, that makes it interesting to me. See, this is all fascinating stuff for sure. And so, because you never know uh, when someone that we idolize as a god does just has a bad day. We all have bad days. And that's the truth. And we sometimes make fools of ourselves where really that's not the history of us. So that's what this book's all about if I'm gathering it in so many ways. So where's the best place we can connect with you and learn more about you and purchase your book? Where can we go? Well, to, um, I, I don't have a website currently. Um, anybody who wants to ask me any questions can just email me at farquharm at msn.com. You can get my books uh, and learn about them um, at, uh, online or at your favorite bookstore. Um, it's pretty widely available. This new one um, just came out on Tuesday. It's in all the stores now. Um, I think it makes a, a great Father's Day gift since that's around the corner. Uh, for the, <clears throat> excuse me again, for the you know for the history buff fathers in people's lives, or for just anybody who likes a good tale, um, you don't have to be uh, devoted to history. You just you know they're great stories. I think, um, and so that was my goal is just to you know weave tales, uh, truthful tales of wow moments in history really all right we appreciate you stopping by thanks for coming on and thanks for coming on the neil haley show take care hey neil thanks a million all right take care you're listening to neil haley show and we'll be back in just a minute 